It's Kiddush Club. We're back this time with a special. It's been a while since we had a special, but hopefully we're going to be bringing you some new ones, and we're going to lead it off with this interview that we did with Mendy Reiner, and that's going to be coming a little bit later in the show. I think it could be a good opportunity to talk about health issues, because we don't ever get to that unless it's in the news. Right. There's, there's usually news stories that are just like more important, that just, you know, it ends up on the back burner. So like every episode that we record, we have like a long list of topics, long list of stories, but we only get to like, what is it, like 50%, maybe even less. So here are some of the stories that didn't make it onto previous episodes that uh, were health related. And the first one I want to talk about is actually something that's near and dear to my heart, and that's Bamba. <laughs> of course it is. who doesn't love Bamba? We just spoke about it in the last episode, episode episode 118, go listen to it. Uh, Bamba is like, would you say it's like the national snack of Israel? It could be. Could it, be, right? It could be. Like, what would you say would beat it out? Nothing. Nothing. Like, in America, it would be what? Potato chips? Doritos. <laughs> no, because those are not kosher. No, but they have now. You can buy the Israeli, yes, Israeli Doritos. Doritos. No, but I would say- I'm just saying, as an American, you just think you go straight to Doritos. I could hear that. But I would, I might sooner say Pringles. Yeah, definitely. Right? I would right. agree. So the reason I'm bringing up Bamba is I am an adult who has suffered from adult onset allergies. Don't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's hurtful. I, 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 it's hurtful. I, I'm sorry. I do apologize. <laughs> okay, but what form do these allergies take? So for me, it's, you know, some nuts, uh, not peanut, which is good. Uh, but like, let's say hazelnuts. No, but walnuts. my question is, what happens to you? What are you breaking out into hives? Break out into hives. Uh, I could have my lips, my lips, you know, could swell, swelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's dangerous because it could go into the mouth, the tongue, the throat. It becomes a little scary. There, you know, I've had the experience of having just my lips swell up out of nowhere. That's an allergic reaction. But it never happened again. It was one time, one and done. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So I take Zyrtec now. And that keeps basically all of it in check. But do you also keep the Benadryl on hand? No. Be- Benadryl does really nothing for me. So won't... It will not help me. I've tried Benadryl when I've had allergic reactions. It does zero. Zyrtec, boom. It's like a sledgehammer. Yeah. But, but but the Benadryl also, people take Benadryl and it knocks them out. Yes. But that's a separate... I mean, that doesn't mean it's effective. It's an antihistamine. Right. But Zyrtec is a stronger antihistamine. But the reason I bring all this up is because, you know, today, in today's times, anyone who has young children knows you cannot send anything with peanuts into school, right? Because there's people who are anaphylactically allergic. And, you know, peanuts is just a big no-no in the world, in, in America, let's say. Yeah, it's to the point that schools need to have a treatment on hand. Yeah, Evipen. Right, just yeah. in case. Yeah. And uh, so it's interesting because for many, many years, the accepted scientific practice was if somebody's allergic to something, to keep them as far away from it as possible. But scientists were actually studying why is it that in Israel there's so much less peanut allergies than in America? Okay, what's the uh, what's the, what's the answer? What's the answer? Bamba. Bamba. <laughs> that is the answer. Oh, you think I'm joking? No, I want to hear. I, this I'm, is I'm, a real thing. So I, I understand what happened. So they just kept they had the allergic reactions and they just kept feeding the children Bamba. So this is what they've discovered, and because of the study that they did in Israel. The United States has also changed how they approach allergies. It has changed the, it revolutionized the allergy world. Because in, in Israel, 
from babies, from when they're really, really young, they the first thing they give them before they can even eat solid it's not food bamba. is bamba. No, come on. Yes, it's bamba. They eat it from literally from a few from months. the cradle. Yeah. And they found that because they were exposed to it from such a young age, the body was able to fight, build up uh, whatever immunity or antihistamine blocking or whatever it is. And as they become adults, they don't have peanut allergies. Wow. You know, it's a soft food. It does make sense. Yes, yes. And so doctors here, my pediatrician for one, actually told my wife with our our second kid at that point to give our daughter Bamba. Really? Yeah, yeah. Huh. I'm surprised your doctor didn't didn't say the same thing. I don't go to the doctor. <laughs> right, your wife. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I don't like... Yeah, I These are not come-along visits. <laughs> You're such a great husband you are. No, but I do my own, my own thing. Like, obviously, I try to go. I try to go for myself once a year. That's good. To the doctor to get a physical. I think it's been a few years now. Has it? Yeah. How about you? Do you go? I try mm-hmm. to go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's been seven years for me. No. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I went in 2020. That's good. It's better than me. A lot better than me. I mean, the truth of the matter is maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but I think a lot of us don't go to the doctor because we're kind of nervous. Like, you know, if it, you know, if it's out of sight, out of mind, you know, I don't want to know. It's true. Everything's fine. By the way, there's something to that, but there's also the other side of that coin, which is like, everything is fine. Like, that's how you think. Like, I'm not wasting an that's afternoon. How you think. <laughs> a lot of people think that way. <laughs> not me. <laughs> so you'd rather not know. Yes. Or... Is it just that I'm sure everything's fine, I'll get to it, just not this week? No, ignorance is bliss. Really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I personally don't like to go because everything kind of becomes real. Like, you have to weigh yourself there, right? Well, I do that anyway on a daily basis. Yeah, but when then you get to the doctor and it's like, oh, your toy scale at home, it reads six pounds less than you really are. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Then they take your height again. Yes. Oh, your license says 5'10"? Yeah. Welcome to 5'4". <laughs> Like everything uh, is legit. Well, listen, I don't know why the license, you know, the DMV allows you to just write whatever you want. It's ridiculous. It's true, isn't it? It's ridiculous. It? Yeah. I, I think I stood by a... No, you didn't. I didn't stand by no, a no, ruler? No, 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 no. You filled it out on a piece of paper. Mm. So yeah, six foot two. I don't think so. I don't think so. And that's just your regular doctor, but you also have to go like to a dermatologist. Specialists, yeah. Don't you have to get like a scan like once every? Yes. How I, I often mean, is I it? I didn't know. I didn't know. I, did I speak about this on the cast? I don't remember. I went to the dermatologist just, you know, a few weeks ago. And he, I went in to ask about one specific thing. And then he came into the room and said, oh, well, it's been, you know, a good five years since you've had a, a full body scan. Let's do a full body scan. Strip down. And I was like, wait, I didn't come here for that. Right. I came to look at this mole. Why are we going to? Yeah. And he's a from guy, actually. Well, it's because you have good insurance. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, why not? Let's do this. And I don't know. Like, I, you know, I want to, like, go take a shower right before. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I don't know if my feet smell. Like, I don't know. They it's do check the bottom of your feet. I, I also, know. I went just now. Just like, I wasn't expecting you, like, body scan i'm like um okay see you said okay i said no and he's like no we're doing it you said okay yeah not? i did i was like all right that's let's just the do essence it. of the difference between us you i never did it before that's why i was shaking about what he may find but so i also what did he find on you no nothing i mean Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. so he i mean for me he did the full body scan you know Baruch Hashem, i said he's a from guy he's a man he's a from guy so it wasn't like i would have been a lot more uncomfortable if it was like a nurse or something like that um and Baruch Hashem also everything seemed to be going well until until he told me you know turnover i was like okay 
and then he tells me, "Wait, you were laying down for this?" Yes, he went from the t- the tips of my toes to the top of my head. Every inch of my body was checked. I, I, mine wasn't as thorough. Ah. I just stood up. It was a quick glance, you know, not like. Oh no, 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 no! He had a magnifying glass. Oh wow! Yeah, he was looking at every single thing that That's I pretty had. Pretty intense. Yeah, and at a certain point, he tells me, "Okay, now turn over," and I was like, "Okay." So I turn over, and then he goes, "Oh well, look at this! I found something." It's not a treasure hunt. Do they know that? <laughs> no, for him it is. <laughs> That's the excitement of his day. Wow. Okay. So he found something on the derriere region. <laughs> yes. And he tells me, you know, you have a mole here. Did you know? And I'm like, how on earth would I know? How would I know? Right. So how would you know? That's true. I would true. not know. You would never know. So he takes a picture of it to show it to me because he's concerned. Um, on what device? Please tell me. On a, on a phone. On a Wi-Fi enabled device. <laughs> That's mistake number one. And number, by the way, no, first of all, he, mistake I, number one is having such good insurance. This man was finding something to biopsy. He was, there's no yeah, question about it. We didn't it. get to the biopsy. And then yeah. you allowed him to take a photo of it because with a Wi-Fi enabled device. Well, no, he Can you wa- see the problems here? He wanted to show me. Of course He's, he did. No, because he was, in, he was like incredulous. You know, he's like, one second, you don't know about this? And I'm like, how on earth would I know? Right. And he goes, no, 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 let me show you and you'll see what I'm talking about because it's serious. Yeah, I would ask him to bring in an analog camera or a Polaroid <laughs> <laughs> because, because yeah. I'm never, it's a Wi Fi device. I know. And then, you know, like I'm going to be reading some textbook one day and it's going to be like a picture, you know? <laughs> for your kids. You know, not cool. But so, yeah, he shows me the picture and it was a little scary looking, I'll admit. Uh, he, he's like, okay, we're taking it off. I'm like, oh, wonderful. So he took it out. And I said, okay, am I good? He goes, yeah, well, we're going to biopsy it. Now, you can't tell someone who has anxiety that we're going to biopsy something because until you get the results of that biopsy... The person doesn't sleep. That's correct. So he's like, no, 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 don't worry. I'm sure it's nothing. He knows it's nothing. This is insurance billing. No, 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 no. And at, at that point, he has to call the nurse because she has to take it and, you know, put it in the special, you know, biohazard thing. And, you know, there's a whole process. So at that point now, I'm not alone anymore, and I'm quite uncomfortable. Baruch Hashem, I did call back a few days later, and everything was clear. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. But until I got that all clear, yeah. Yeah, that sounds pretty intense, but the truth is they're looking for Yanamachla, obviously. Yes, yes. And it's funny because some doctors are so, like, they're so cancer-minded. Yes, And I went to a doctor one time. He happened to have been Indian. Actually, his first... Really? No, no, no. His first really? name was Babar. Like the cartoon guy? Like the, the elephant. Guy? Yeah, the elephant. And right. he was wearing a tie with little elephants. With now, Babar the elephant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't oh, know if it was cute. if that he does that every day or just when I came. I don't know. Is it is he primarily like a for, for pediatrics? No, no, or? no. He's a regular adult dermatologist. Okay, freak show. For, I'm out of there. <laughs> for adults. I'm out of there. But wait, so now I'm showing him like, oh, I have a little dry skin here. He looks at it, he's like, let me see. Not cancer. <laughs> I'm like, um, okay. What about? He went from zero to one. Right, exactly. That's meaning, like, that's his mindset. Everything I showed him, you were like, like yeah, there's a little bumpy. Not cancer. Don't worry. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, what do I do? Like, I, I couldn't even like. Once Process. you jump there, I can't ask for a cream anymore. I just have to be thankful. Yes, that's right. That it's nothing serious. That's right. So that's the You're mindset. Like, what about my dandruff? Not cancer. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
So, you know, but it is important to do these scans and to get yourself checked on a regular basis. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's not just dermatology, you know, like as men get older, you know, heart health becomes a major, major thing, especially among Jews. Uh, Which is why, by the way, it's super important to stay active and to exercise. For sure. Do you, by the way? I do, yes. Really? On a regular? I got back in. I fell off the wagon and now I'm back on the wagon. Okay, good. Good. Yeah, I'm doing treadmill. So cardio. How often? I try to do five times a week. Really? Yeah. That's pretty intense. Nice, right? So you're serious about heart health? Yes. I am. I am. And... um, so, you know, one of the most famous drugs that men are on in this country, it's not just men, it's women too, are, are statins. You know, these are the things that lower your cholesterol. And cholesterol is a big, you know, it, there's a lot of controversy to a degree about cholesterol. But the overwhelming majority of doctors today will say that statins are like a miracle drug for lowering cholesterol and helping people to avoid, you know, heart disease and heart attacks and things like that. Yeah, but the best drug is to eat healthy. Yes, sometimes that doesn't do enough. Because sometimes there's genetic. genetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's this guy, a Harvard researcher. His name was Nicholas Norwitz. And uh, this happened uh, now recently. This this article came out in January of, of, of 24. And he did a study, and it was pretty crazy. I'll read the headline, and then I'll tell you what it really says. It says, study says Oreos lower cholesterol better than statin medication. Really? Now, what is the logic for that? For that, right. So it's, it's... Wait, I'm going to guess and say that if a person has Oreos and they love Oreos, then they're, they're just de-stressing. And maybe that's what's bringing their cholesterol down. Interesting, but no. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw that. I saw that headline and I said, oh, this must be my birthday. <laughs> no more exercise. <laughs> Oreos, morning, noon, and night, yeah. right? Uh, that's the miracle drug Pee is of Oreos. 100%. Because if you're saying that statins are a miracle drug and now you're saying that Oreos are better than statins, oh, yeah. what could be better than Oreos? Exactly, exactly nothing. Right. But once you go into the study, you see that it's not it's not that partial. I mean, basically what he was doing was more of a... a extremely low carb, almost like a keto diet. And instead of a statin, he was eating Oreos. And he did the same thing using statins and using Oreos. And it came out that when he ate the Oreos, his cholesterol actually went down lower. Now, they don't know why. And yeah, what's know, the svara? There's no, there's no svara explanation. Right <laughs> it has to do with something called the lipid energy model that suggests, I'll read it to you, that in specific dietary conditions, like those of LMHR individuals, the body might respond more favorably to dietary adjustments involving carbohydrates than conventional medication. Has to do with when you're in that zone. The keto state. Right. Somehow, the statins don't perform as well as certain carbs and sugars. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. But what I am saying is if any of our listeners are taking statins right now, do not replace them with Oreos <laughs> right. just because the study said that. This is that. not practical medical advice. <laughs> exactly. But speaking about cancer, by the way, I feel like this happens so many times. I saw this article uh, and it caught my attention for two reasons. First, because it's in Yana de Yema, which is the fact that Badaf is in Babakama. So that's first of all. And we know that the whole it, it all begins with, you know, the goring of oxes. Oxen, I should say. <laughs> yes. And so and so there's this story about this woman in Brooksville, Florida. And so she has some livestock. She has some cows. She has some bulls, you know, a male cow. And the male cows have horns, obviously. Okay. And uh, she was gored by this 2,000-pound bull. Wow. So what happened was that she actually, her son was being gored. She went to protect him. And then she got gored. 
so they both got gored. Yeah. Like, she, it's not like she pushed him out of the way and got gored herself. It was just two actual distinct um, mysums. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. So uh, she lived. She's okay. She recovered, fully recovered, which is great. So I guess you don't have to kill the animal. Right. <laughs> um, but... Which what's interesting is that because this cow and they, by the way they named this cow so I I don't know if all farmers named their livestock is that a thing it could be like if you have a, a a milking cow it has to have a name but let's say you have a cow and you, you know you're raising it and you're gonna eventually slaughter it and eat it like I can't imagine a kid coming home and being like mom what's for dinner and and the mother being like oh it's Elsie <laughs> exactly <laughs> I don't think so either that could, would be weird right but when you do have these milking cows that are designed to stay around for a while not to Maybe. slaughter but this was a bull this was a male cow right and the male cow's name was Barry okay. <laughs> so, checks out so checks out yeah. right so she went to the hospital and uh, as they were treating her they found that she had very early onset lung cancer wow and they were able to remove the tumor it hadn't spread and so she says... That bull saved her life. The bull saved her life. Wow. And when they asked her about it, she said, I regret what happened, but I also don't regret it. Well, of course not. Right. She would, be, she would be in a really bad shape. Very bad shape, yes. If not for the goring. Yes. And like, this bull deserves a promotion, yeah. basically. Yeah. I feel like Hashem works in mysterious ways because there are so many times where these types of things happen, you know? Where you go in for one thing, and it just happened to King Charles, right? Right. He went in for one thing, and then they found another cancer. We don't know what cancer it is, but obviously it's something serious. Yeah, but speaking of the UK, now that you mention it, I just read a story where there was a, a doctor who was disbarred. It's not disbarred. Lost his medical license. Uh, what did he do? While he was performing surgery on somebody, he actually etched his initials into... The person's organ. Yes, yes. I, I don't saw know this. what organ it was. Does it matter which organ he actually signed? Are you, you'd be cool with it if it was the liver as opposed to the kidney. Like, what are you? What are you saying? No, Stam. I just, I just want to know. Like, what did he feel so important? Like, you also have to be really full of yourself. Yes. I was if just you're initials, say, yeah. initialing people's innards. Yeah. He's like an artist, and he's signing it just like an artist would sign a canvas. But also, how did they know? Did someone rat him out? Like someone on his staff? I think the woman maybe had an infection, if I remember correctly. I forget the article. And I think the next doctor... Opened her up. Opened her up or something <laughs> and saw it. And he, yeah, He's that's like, how. what do we have here? <laughs> I think his initials were SSB. Could you look it up? Yes, I can. Uh, okay, here it is. I found the article. So, so it actually took place in 2017, but he lost his license in 2022, and uh, he burned. What it says that he used a laser to burn his initials into livers of two patients. Oh boy! But you know, it makes sense what you're saying, like an artist. Yeah, like he feels he has like a god complex. No, that's why he did it. That's why he did it. He for was sure. very proud of himself. I don't know, but for me, when I think about it, like, what did he? What damage did he really do? He, he saved this person's life, and he did a little signature. It doesn't harm anyone. <laughs> no, I think, I think it's telling about the person. As a medical professional, you can't be negligent like that. You can't but use- But that was not negligent. That was intentional. <laughs> I know. I don't mean that. I mean, like, you can't be so full of yourself that you are burning your initials into people. Like, it just says something about the person's character as a doctor. Okay, but does it make you- Would you change your opinion if I tell you that the marks that are left- do not impair the liver's function and disappear by themselves? I didn't think that it would. I mean, disappear how long? It doesn't say. 
So what is he doing this for? But who does it harm? Why should he lose his license? He, what if he's the best surgeon ever? You know, saving lives. He just likes to sign his name. I don't know. Let him sign his name. <laughs> Come on. It's, you know what? If there ever was one, this would be a meatos alert. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like he, he has, he has <laughs> issues. There's something. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, surgery itself, for, the, for that reason, I mean, surgery is a scary thing in general, right? You're, you're exposed to another human being. They have your life in your hands. But surgery has come so far today with technology that it's so much safer. Uh, and, you know, so many things are outpatient now that used to be laparoscopic surger- surgeries now that used to be, you know, major things. Uh, among them, kidney donation used to be a major major difficult surgery but today you could be in and out relatively quickly with almost no downtime well one of the things we actually learned from mendy reiner is that the kidney surgeries are laparoscopic right exactly so i never understood this i never thought that it was laparoscopic but mendy reiner uh he confirmed this that's right yeah so the the barrier to entry for someone donating a kidney has been made much, much less. Yeah, but still, it is an insane sacrifice. It is, but the reality is, and we'll let Mendy make the pitch because he could do it a lot better than we can, but the reality is is if you're faced with with a situation where you can literally, literally save a human being's life and it will, maybe you'll be uncomfortable for a little while and that's it, how do you say no to that? To me, it's the actual ultimate act of kindness yeah like there's nothing That's greater it. that you could you could possibly do 100 percent, 100 percent. but the truth is mendy reiner could t- could say it a lot better than we can so let's bring our interview with mendy reiner here it is so it's a special episode of kiddish club because we have the privilege of sitting with mendy reiner uh who is the founder of renewal renewal is a kidney matching organization which means somebody in need of a kidney can reach out to Renewal and they'll find a donor to match with them. So, Mendy, welcome to Kiddish Club. Thank you for having me, but let me quickly cu- correct you there on sure. that. We don't find the kidney for you. We'll help you find the kidney for yourself and get to the best match possible. So how is that different? Um, Renewal doesn't have kidneys sitting in the fridge in the back of the office. Oh, we were going to ask to see the kidneys right Right, after this. Right, right, right. That was the plan. We basically um, set up a a marketing campaign for for a person that needs needs a kidney. And that person whether will go out and hand out flyers in shul or bring uh, 30, 40, or sometimes two, 300 people together in a room and will come out and present to them the need of the uh, kidney and... uh, and uh, explain the process of kidney donation to the people that are joining uh, at that event. And we typically test anywhere between uh, one person per event up to two, 300 people in an event. And uh, 2023, we tested over 3,000 people that were testing willing to donate kidneys for others, and most of the times for people they've never met before. Wow, how many of those were matches? Um, in 2023, we did 133 transplants. Wow. And let's remember that for every uh, 10 people you test, roughly one ends up uh, being a viable donor. So you have uh, many that fall out because of uh, medical conditions or uh, just uh, blood types that's not usable, whether it, let's say an AB. AB can only donate to an AB, and there are very few ABs that are in need of a kidney. So 
all of that comes into play. I never met an AB that I liked. Just <laughs> let me put that out there. Yeah, I'm with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also a milestone because Renewal has had its 1,000th kidney transplant. Is that right? Correct. So it's, it's, it's a major accomplishment. And it's just fast forward, what is it, 16 or 17 years now. It's mind-blowing that uh, we've, you know, when we started, I told uh, the renewal president, Sandy Ornstein, I told him that if we do one transplant a year, this whole investment will be worth it. And if we do two, it'll be a home run out of the park. And obviously, the first couple of years, we did uh, five, six, ten transplants a year. But now we're knocking out 130, 150 transplants a year. That's a massive accomplishment. And it just shows that with educating one community at a time, we can turn a community that has been completely um, um, not involved in organ donation to be the largest contributor to altruistic kidney transplants in the country. Wow. I will say that I can't even wrap my head around uh, just the feeling or just how does a person get to the stage of where they want to give away an organ. Like that is so, it's, it's so altruistic, it's so uh, selfless. I'm in awe of so many of the people that just have given away a kidney mo many times to people they don't even know. So going back about 17 years in 2005, when the idea, how the idea started, I met a gentleman in need of a kidney in a, in a waiting room. And uh, I, I was like, he kept on telling me a horror story that he lost his job. He had to give up his job. He's on dialysis. And I was like, here, take $40, because he, he, that's, that's all I was able to help him with. And he's like, young man, I don't need your money. I need a kidney. And, uh, and I said, I'll help you, but I had no idea how. And I went home, and uh, the next day we placed some ads in the, in, the, uh, in the local papers, father of five, blood type O, in desperate need of a kidney. And I was shocked myself to find out that 20 to 30 people would reach out to me and saying, I'm willing to donate a kidney, or what does it take to donate? How do I find out my blood type? Or... My mother or my daughter needs a kidney. Who are you and what can you do to help us? And yes, it is shocking that people will wake up one morning and say, this is something that I'd like to do. The kidney is just bugging me for 20 years and I want to get rid of it. It's, it's, it is it's is a unbelievable act and it's a, it still boggles my mind every single time I see a donor and recipient meet for the first time after transplant, or if I see a new young person walking into the room and saying, I'm willing to donate a kidney, why? Right. And every single time the answer is, some, some people have answers, well, I knew someone who died from kidney failure. Sometimes you have an answer. We had a kidney donor that said he walked around with an ad for three years in his pocket. The ad was mother of three in desperate need of a kidney. And he said he, every day he would take that little ad out of his pocket and he would read it differently. He read it, three children need a mother. And eventually, after three years, he decided, you know what, it's time for him to do it. The mother, thank God, got a kidney a lot quicker than that. And he ended, up, he ended up donating to someone else on our waiting list. But the fact that people can walk around in pain for someone they don't even know who that is, is something that is above and beyond. I always say, membership in Ami Israel is priceless. The fact that you have others that are, have no clue who you are, but are just willing to step up to the plate when they know there is someone out there in pain, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's something that makes me very proud to be part of. Do you see, though, a similarity in those types of people? Like, it's a type of person that's going to give away an organ. It's, it's like, do you see that they have this type of, like, they're a personality type? 
Right. So I'll tell you the 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 uh, when we spend time together, whether it's five or ten or a hundred or a thousand kidney donors in the same room as we did last week, there is a certain um, uniqueness in their own. These are all very very giving people, very caring people. There is a certain quality that you don't find in the general population when you're in the room with with kidney donors. They're fine people. They're good people. They're people that are smiling and willing to help. It's there. It's there is just you're. You, you feel the shekhinah around you when, you when you're when you surrounded by that many kidney donors in a room. It's just chesed, one piece of chesed. So it's an interesting point. I, I wonder, is there anything like this in the non-Jewish world? Does it exist anywhere? So it's very interesting because at our event last week, we honored and introduced a uh, woman. Her name is Sharon Kreitzer. Sharon Kreitzer was one of the uh, donor coordinators at uh, Mount Sinai in the past and then at the VA and then at NYU. And she always has gone around to wherever, whichever conferences she's been at, all these years saying the model of renewal works. It has to be community-based and get the message out locally, it works. And eventually she decided to start helping veterans with the same model of renewal. Renewal actually helped her set up the first two years of uh, funding for it. And uh, she successfully transplanted 35 veterans, veterans only, in the last two years. So yes, the model of renewal works. It just needs to have a person committed, such as Sharon or the staff at Renewal, committed to the cause and making those transplants happen. So here's a crazy question. I know that there are many countries in the world that allow kidney donations for money. The United States obviously is not one of those those countries. Do you think it actually, I mean, number one, what is your feeling about that? Number two, do you think it's worth trying to lobby this country to have that changed because there's so many people who need kidneys and just such a demand, such a high demand, such a short supply. So direct payment of money, I'd I'd feel hesitant to support just because um, it becomes a uh, broker's world where people start pushing the agenda and not looking out for the best interests of the patients. We've had recipients come back to us after one or two years after buying a kidney in in the black market in one of those countries that you're safe paying for kidneys illegal, and the kidney fails because they're not, the, the interest of the people involved in the middle over there are not to get the recipient a perfect match or the best match possible. Their interest is in getting their commissions and running and, go, and, you know, and going on. So, uh, but I definitely would support incentivizing kidney donation, whether it's lifetime uh, healthcare or lifetime uh, um, tax credits or something to that effect. That's not something that can be uh, um, brokered. Uh, brokered. I definitely would support, and, and we actually are pushing and supporting many uh, uh, initiatives to turn that around and make it uh, make it more um, donor friendly here in New York State and basically in the United States as well. Well, right now, I think uh, when you donate a kidney, that brings you to the top of the list, correct? If you ever needed. In uh, New York State, it brings you to the top of the list. And obviously, in renewal, it brings you to the top of the list. Thank God, in renewal, we haven't had a situation where um, a donor who donated ended up needing a kidney and was given to moved to the top of the list. But uh, we've seen it in New York State. And yes, they fairly, fairly turn around very quickly in the donor does get a kidney in a but very think, short time. I think the donors end up being more healthy because they have to be constantly checking on their their one kidney, right? Once you give a kidney, 
I think like you have to go like every six months to have it checked. Not, 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 not so much. And but the, the thing is that the kidney donors, there's a study that kidney donors actually live longer than the general population. I saw that and I said, that's Narish Kite. That's not, that can't be real. <laughs> it, is, it is real. Is it a real there study? Is, there, there's different reasons for it. You know, if you ask uh, the Rabbanon, they'll say, well, you know, someone that gives life uh, ends up uh, getting life, but uh, they ultimately take it from a pool of people that are very, very healthy. So if you take a kidney from a 40-year-old <laughs> out of the general pool, uh, you know, then, uh, you know, that kidney, that person might not be perfectly healthy. But if you take a kidney from a 40-year-old from a vetted 40-year-old, which is healthy, you know, that 40-year-old doesn't st- stands a better average than the national average of well, He always did, though. What's that? He always did. He always had the better, meaning it's nothing to do Correct. with his... Nothing to do with his kidney right. donation, right. right. But, he's, but the pool of kidney donors ultimately is they're from the top. They're a healthier bunch. They're, they're a healthier pool. So that's, that's really the reason as to why kidney donors typically live longer than the, uh, than the general population. Well... Buying life insurance in 99% of the cases doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't affect your rating if you're a kidney donor. And that's the reason, because you're, you are from a healthier pool of people. Or you've been vetted. Ah, that, well, that, that actually is a very good point, because if it, you know, we could, we could all talk about, you know, what are the odds. But when you talk about a life insurance policy and you have the, actu- the actuary sitting and figuring it out, where they have to put their money where their mouth is. In your experience, the people who do actually donate, and we mentioned before, is that, you know, yes, is there a personality type? What has been your experience of the people that donate? What is that person before versus after? The archetype of this person, how would you describe it? Are they more in touch with life? Are they more spiritual? Are they just happy that they did a chesed? What's, is there something like that? Look, not everybody has the outcome. The outcomes of their kidney donations varies depending on the age of the recipient and the actual results in the recipient. I mean, 99% are successful, but you do have unfortunate situations where the recipient rejects or the recipient, uh, I would say in renewal, it's probably 98% success and the national average is probably 95% from a live donor. Um, but there are those one or two percent that end up, uh, you know, with the with the donor with the recipient struggles. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, we've heard from people, and when we, you know, the the most inspiring moment is when the donor recipient meet post transplant, where everybody's healthy and back to back to normal, and the recipient is leading a normal life, and the recipient is like, I'll be saying, you know, how how can I thank you? What what, what can I say? And I always hear this, the answer from the donor is, don't thank me, you've given me more than what I gave you. Because the, you know, the fact that I know that I, I've helped someone is something that uh, you know, no money in the world can buy. And uh, it's, it's just, that's the type of people they are. That's the type of people, and they, 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 they appreciate it. You know, at the end of the day, they did something that 99.99% of the population hasn't done. So they are from a very, very, very unique group of people you know it's uh, there's no no two ways to look no, no two ways to how to look at look at it i mean i'm jealous i'm jealous because i can't even imagine considering it <laughs> you know well, i have to i have to tell you something and both of you need to be put on notice right uh-oh. now oh there is a that's uh, our cue let's get out of here quick uh, before yes, he says yes yes, We're yes. Out of here. thank you there very much a, for your time <laughs> there is a gentleman rabbi ari koretsky he runs a uh a podcast Jews you should know I think and uh, three years ago he interviewed me and uh, you know getting a podcast you've seen how long it took you guys to get a hold of me and to get this put this together you know everybody's busy 
but uh, and at the event Sunday, you know, at, at this point, I'm not that involved in the day-to-day -day names of who's transplanting. And at, at the event Sunday last week, where we had the celebrated 1,000 transplants, a gentleman comes over to me and he says, Hi, Mandy Reiner, I'm Ari Koretsky, and you know why I'm here? I donated my kidney eight weeks ago. I interviewed <laughs> wow. you three years ago, and I donated my kidney eight, eight <laughs> wow. weeks ago. And I actually, oh boy. and he said, I'm it's very exciting because I'm visiting my, I'm going to be meeting my donor for the first time in, in, in Florida on Monday. So I said to him, you know what? I'm coming. You know, wow. I'm going to, I would like to be part of that. And it's, it's just a, a beautiful story where it just shows you share the story. You share, and th the fact that I'm having this conversation with you, and I'm not pointing the fingers at you, but you're thousands and thousands of listeners. There's no doubt in my mind that someone out there is going to say, this is, and more than someone out there is going to say, this is something that sounds interesting. This is something that I can do, or this is something that I've always thought of doing. Let me let me take take the jump. So the 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 credit of the of the chesed starts right now. Amazing. Yeah. And by the way, I would be like elated if someone because of this decided that they're going to help some yeah, save we, a we life. we get a share in that schus. Absolutely. Any of yes. you listeners, we're we're sharing it with you, but whether wait, you like it or not. Here's the question: Have you ever had anybody regret giving their kidney? Uh, that's 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 a a very it's a loaded tough question, question. <laughs> and I'm trying to think. You have to remember this is uh, you got to be careful as to you know my my first reaction would be no, but uh, you know there is always uh, something. So I I would say that the uh, regret that we get from anyone that we ask is there anything that you regret or is there something that you regret about donating your kidney and unanimously everybody says the same thing the main thing that I, most the only one thing that i regret about this is that i can't do it again wow so that is something that every single kidney donor will tell you that they're just totally totally um broken that they can't do it again and i always tell them you could do it again by sharing your story go out there get up in shul get up in, during kiddush and share it with your friends and family let them know what you do. Don't be, un don't, don't, don't be humble with this. You know, go out there and be, say it the way it is. I'm a kidney donor. You don't have to be a world-renowned speaker. All you need to do is share your story. People love to listen to the story of a kidney donor. And most of the time, do people know who they're giving it to? No. Most of the time. Most of the time. So you can't even know. decide, like, I would like to give it to whatever somebody who has a big impact it's not in like the a world. catalog you go through a catalog and pick a person <laughs> no but but like what are you if thinking you're, if you're giving it out right you're giving a part of you away like and you don't even know where no, it's gonna yeah. go i would never do that <laughs> i no, would have so, to know who the person so, is. It's, so so there is different there's diff there are different levels in altruism so you have the person that says i want to donate i don't care who it is and you know, that, that one goes to the next person on the list. But then you have people who walk in here, and we ask, we ask everybody, do you have anybody in mind? Do you have somebody in mind? Do you have a family member? If the answer is no, do you have any specifics? So some people say, I'd like to donate to a young mother because, you know, the young mother, the children, and some people say, I'd like to donate to a child. A child is a whole different story because the kidney needs to be smaller, so you typically can only take it from smaller people, smaller women, and uh, that, that would fit for, for a child. But... Um, so it ultimately is up to the donor to choose the uh, the uh, the ballpark uh, uh, figure of as to who they're donating to. So whether it's a young mother or a grandfather, some people said I want to donate it to a grandmother because I remember when I was young, my grandmother died from kidney failure, 
and I'd like to give an, so another grandchild their grandmother for as long as and for you know I'd like to help them. So it all depends on the donor. The donor ultimately decides as to which. Uh, demographic or which uh, age group or they, they'd like to donate. But if a person does specifically want to donate to somebody, you, you facilitate that, is, that. Yeah, you can have a genre, even. Young mother. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I'm but saying even Even, even if there's someone in your right. shul that needs a kidney and that's who you're coming forward to, that's who you're going to be donating to. Right. I mean, if you're a match, you know, that's, that's why you came forward to. That's now, what you came forward for. Now, over the last 15 years, have you seen any advancements in the way kidneys are being... Uh, uh, donated, like you mentioned on Yaakov Langer's podcast, Inspiration for the Nation, great podcast, by the way, that you were going to start flying the kidneys. Instead of letting the people travel, the kidney will travel. Has that become a reality? Yes. So we're flying kidneys all over the country. Wow. Um, And it basically helps out so that the recipient doesn't spend time Recipients typically would have to come from California to New York and spend three months post-transplant in New York. So they're either staying in a chesed apartment or a hotel, they're away from their family, and they're not, in their own, uh, they're not in their own surroundings. So the ideal setup for that recipient would be to stay home. But we've also established with Rabbi Menachem Friedman at Renewal is uh, Renewal National. So we started working with centers all over the country. And just last week, we had five transplants in a day in different states. Where, where we'd love to keep the recipients local, but also we try to create awareness locally to, to raise awareness and bring donors into the pool of people locally. So we, we're, we're, the ideal thing is not to fly the kidney. The ideal thing is to find the kidney locally and to get the person transplanted locally in their home state, next to their home, and where they can have their children or parents right next to them instead of having to be away from work or away for a long time. But I'm sure it's super helpful with Israel. Yeah, Israel is something that we'd love. We're, we're gonna we're gonna hopefully be doing in the near future, in the very near future. We're just working out the logistics. It's kind of tough, but uh, we I, I should say we're get, we're close. We're we're closer. We're closer to it, and uh, it should happen. I would say if I'd have to guess, within the next six months, we're gonna hopefully fly our first uh, kidney to Israel, and it's 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 definitely an accomplishment. It's been a dream of mine for the past probably five to seven years to get to to get that uh, done and uh it, we've had tremendous amount of pushback on it and uh thank god we've worked out all the differences and uh i think at this point uh it's just a matter of days months until that finally happens so how many people right now does renewal have uh waiting for kidneys um we have close to 400 people waiting for kidneys wow and so the pool of people that you would need how, of the people that you uh, check, I think you mentioned it before, what percentage end up being viable candidates? So technically, technically, we would have, I wouldn't say for all of them, technically, I would say we would have enough kidney donors to cover the waiting list. The problem that we have is we don't have the manpower. The uh, renewal model is very, uh, very heavy on uh, labor. It's labor intense where you have each, each donor, each recipient have their own coordinator and you have a donor being uh, escorted throughout the entire process, and and it's just very heavy. So we actually doubled our staff recently. We moved into our new office space uh, just about a year ago, and it just takes time for it to pick up more. And we can hopefully, hopefully this coming year, we'll be at 150 to 175 transplants, and as time goes on, 
as we grow, you know, it, it requires for us to be be financially stable as well. We can be reckless in hiring, uh, you know, just people out of, and it also has to grow generically where the new people understand the system and understand how it works. And it's uh, it's training of actually doing the matches. It's not it's not we we do the matches ourselves. It's not it's it's knowledge. It's uh, it's complicated, and we. At this point, invested close to a million dollars into a matching program where um, people go away with probably a perfect match or very close to perfect match where the kidney lasts a lot longer than the kidneys in the past. So amazing. Amazing. So um, what would you what, what is most needed from our listeners? Is it money? Is it uh, blood tests to see if they're a match? Is it? maybe volunteering, what, what do you think our listeners should be involved in? Um, actually, it's both, because uh, the result uh, the saying, is the Purba, mine of is the Purba Gifei. Some, some pay with money and some pay with their actual flesh and blood. Um, so yes, uh, in order to make transplants happen, you need financial donors. In order to, to, to need financial donors, you need actual kidney donors. So it's, it works both ways. And uh, there is no question about it that if we'd have access to more funding, we could make more transplants. There's no question about it. So the only thing that's preventing you from saving more lives at this point is money. Is money and a little bit more time of training. Yeah, wow. we, we don't rush into it because you have to get the real team, as I said before, and proper training, but yes. Amazing. So that means everybody listening has the ability to literally become part of saving a life because that's all they need right now is more manpower. You get that with some more money. And they could be facilitating more life-saving procedures. Yes, actually, we set up a program in renewal. It's called Circle of Life. And Circle of Life um, allows you to be part of every transplant with whether it's $5 or $10 per transplant or up to $1,000 per transplant. And you just base every single transplant, your credit card is charged. So sometimes you get people calling me like, oh, what are you doing? 10 transplants this week. I haven't signed up for this. It's like, what are you guys doing to my credit card? So what is the true cost of a transplant? Like, let's say somebody wanted to handle just one transplant. I want to save one life. What is that true cost? So it's, it's, it's a good question because I want people to be clear. I, I want to be transparent and clear so people understand what they're getting involved. The actual transplant is covered by the recipient's insurance. So the surgery in very, very seldom cases do we get involved in covering costs of, of med the medical procedures, um, whether it's, let's say, a kidney for an Israeli patient when we'll be shipping kidneys. There is questionable of whether we'll cover the donor nephrectomy here in the States. Um, but in general, that's, that's covered. The, the, the cost that we cover is testing. Testing is expensive. Swabbing and blood work, that you, that, that's something that we cover, when, especially when we do this large amount of uh, testing at a time. And then we have the uh, actual donor reimbursements, loss of wages, transportation, convalescence. And remember, for every transplant, you're working about five to 10 potential donors. So there is, there is a lot of work. It's not only one donor that you're taking and bringing or, or flying in and, uh, and back or putting up in a hotel. There is five of them. So. And, and then the actual hand-holding, the staff, the, the backup staff. So the direct reimbursement to a donor is probably eight to $12,000, depending on the lost wages and all that. And, and that includes all, the, all of the failed 
transplants or all the failed uh, donors. Sure, and I'm sure and their the total, insurance wouldn't cover anything. Correct. The insurance doesn't cover any of that. Exactly. Why? Like, don't donate your kidney. Right. And the the uh, the total cost of a transplant is anywhere between eighteen and twenty five thousand, depending if it's a renewal national or a local transplant. That's a it's a big ticket. Yeah. yeah. But it's saving a life. You know, the, there is there is an interesting story with uh, Rabbi Weissmandel during the uh, Second World War, where he tried uh, putting together a plan of buying a Jew for $2,000. Yes. And, and I always think, you know, $2,000 back then is a lot more than 18900 today, right? And uh, I always say that for, for that amount of money, you can buy, you can buy a life. And it's, it's, it's important to realize that uh, you can save someone's life for just $18,900. $18, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Well, this has been unbelievable. Thank you for the time. Uh, we're obviously going to be including links in our show notes so that our listeners can get in touch with Renewal. Again, they need your support to save the lives. And with more support, they will literally save more lives. That means every one of us can potentially share in the schus, which is just unbelievable. Yeah, and if you're feeling like you haven't been doing enough chesed, there's a way to get involved from the ground up. right? right. You don't and have you to be... You don't have to give a kidney. You don't have the to give day. a kidney. Exactly. You don't necessarily have to give a kidney. It would be great if you do, but get involved and do something, and help the organization because they're literally saving Jewish lives. And 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 if I can just add one more thing, if you do end up donating a kidney after listening to this podcast, please make sure to bring it to our attention or reach out directly <laughs> to the to this podcast and let them know to the Kiddush Club. Hey, I donated a kidney because of the interview you did, and and we'll come interview you as well. We would love to have you on. That's interesting. That's yeah. one way to get on the Kiddush Club. <laughs> yeah, I think, <laughs> I think it would kidney. be great. I think it would be great. Mendy, we're in awe from your chesed. Thank you so much for coming on. And thank you all for listening. Thank you. And thanks again to Mendy Reiner for joining us. And if you want to help with the life-saving work that Mendy does, check out the website, renewal.org, R-E-N-E-W-A-L.org. And we hope that some of you listening become donors. And we thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to join the WhatsApp group. You can do that uh, either from the show notes or visit us at kiddishclubpodcast.com. Follow us on X, follow us on Instagram, and don't forget to support the cast by visiting buymeacoffee.com slash kiddishclub. Uh, show your support for the cast. And until next time, Kiddish Club out. This episode is copyright Kiddish Club Media.